0: You're listening to the Homeland Heroes Salute, sharing stories to heal and honor our heroes. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation and produced by DairyCam. This podcast sometimes deals with mature content that may not be suitable for a younger audience and could be triggering for some individuals. Discretion is advised. The views expressed by our guests and others are solely their own. No views expressed in this podcast represent any of the Uniformed Services, the Homeland Heroes Foundation, Dairy Cam, or any other organization. All right. Welcome back, Thea. Uh, For this portion, we're going to dive into your experience with being an active duty military. Okay. How are your expectations versus reality different for service?
1: Um. I think it was actually a lot what I expected. Um, I was pretty mentally prepared going in. I guess the thing that I didn't expect was to find out that I wasn't as strong as I thought I was. How so? I didn't think that I could ever end up in the situation that I ended up in. Um, I thought that I was way too strong and powerful and smart and everything else to be able to fall into an abusive relationship um and then to react to it the way that I did you know i i did not handle it in in a in a way that i that i ever thought that i would and um i mean i knew that i'd always struggled with um with some mental health stuff some depression um but i i always thought that it was just uh because of my past and the way i grew up it never really occurred to me that it was a chemical thing but the rest of it i i i I'd spent enough time around my brother and, um, I expected it to be very much like what it was, I guess. Um, I didn't ever think that it would make me feel trapped or useless. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I guess it depends on, on, at what point in time, uh, of my military career we're talking about. Sometimes, um, it was everything I expected and other times it was, um, not what I expected at all, um, but for the most part, I think it was it was what I thought it would be. Your story is definitely definitely
0: unique in the way that I think you hear a lot of stories about people coming out of the military and dealing with addiction or PTSD or kind of the the whole gambit of different issues. Um, and you went in after dealing with. A lot of those
1: things, which I've actually heard that going in uh, after dealing with stuff like that actually leaves you more prone to PTSD taking place again.
2: There's several studies that are out, um, and, and you know, studies are exactly exactly what they are. There's studies that there's no set um, as for word I'm looking for. There's there's no set in stone thing regarding post traumatic stress. But there's studies that are show that show that a lot of the post-traumatic stress that people are dealing with either after deployment or you know, serving time in the military or even as a first responder, that they can those those stressors can be triggered and link all the way back into childhood. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and and there's there's something to be said for that, but at the same time, you know, there's less than 1% of the population in the United States that uh, actually raised their right hand and took the oath to preserve our nation. So yeah, there's other stressors that go in with that as well.
1: Right, right. It took me a really, really long time to not feel guilty about needing the help that I needed because of the situation. I I was never deployed, nothing ever. I wasn't sexually abused. All of my issues or my bad stuff that was experienced um, in my head wasn't directly related to the military. And so it made me feel guilty for getting help for it or or disability or anything else. It, it always made me feel like my story was not worth it. Um, and then I realized that um, the reason why my story got so severe was because of the the way that you because of the military, not because of the military, but I couldn't leave. I I I couldn't quit. I I couldn't get away. I my ex husband and I our our issues were very very public. Um, he was sleeping with his trainees, and uh, the the trauma that I went through, given every, you know, I always was like, it was my relationship trauma, like how that's not the military's fault. I chose that. Um, and it took me a really long time to actually feel like I was worth getting help. I, I was worth their time. Like I, I deserved to, to get support for it. And, um, I mean, it's actually even been something that's been fairly recent within the last three or four years it has been when I have finally felt validated that because of my military career, um, there was experiences that I had that have affected me in negative ways that now I deserve to get help for. Um, and I imagine that there's probably other women out there like that, too. Um, but uh it just like whenever I have what they call a uh, state or what do they call it? Um, home, home front, home front PTSD or whatever it's called. Like I, I always felt like I shouldn't because I hadn't been deployed and, um, the guilt that comes along from that, um, sucks. But I've also heard that people that were deployed, they feel the same guilt. They feel the same, not deserving. And so, um, being able to acknowledge that and to accept it and to realize, you know what, I, I am worth it and I do deserve it. And um, I my story is powerful and my my experience can help other people. And um, although it wasn't, you know, deployment related, what I went through was a direct effect of being in the military. I don't want to say it was a direct effect of the military, but it was a direct effect of being in the military.
2: I, I can understand that. Uh, and I have a question, and feel free to answer or choose not to. Do you feel during that period of time that your leadership actually had were supportive of you? Do you feel they actually, actually were leaders?
1: Um, there were some that were, but... Um, Most not. Um, My commander um, was very supportive and amazing. Um, However, my direct supervisor, um, she was terrible, absolutely terrible um my my ex-husband he's extremely manipulative and charming and um he's capable of making every situation out to be where he's in the right and i was in the wrong no matter what it was and i was always made out to be crazy or whatever the case might be and because of the world we lived in everything was interconnected and so Um, there were airmen that went through his boot camp and then they came to me as my trainees and I didn't know at first I had no idea so there were airmen that I was training that had slept with my husband and I had no clue and then when I found out about it and then they're still right there it it, it, um... yeah yeah so I mean there were yeah there was a lot of really wonderful great great support and wonderful people the higher higher ups most of my commanders and at first sergeants um were exceptional my direct supervisors or my shop supervisors there was a lot that were good but a lot that weren't a lot that weren't
2: i'm not trying to bash anyone or anything but what i've noticed of course i spent the late 80s into the mid 90s in the air force um, and then Many years later I went back in, but I went army. And what I've noticed is that a lot of times promotions are based upon knowledge and information oh, rather yeah. rather than ability to actually lead people. Yeah. Uh, and the people that a lot of people that tend to get promoted, they don't have the leadership training. They haven't had it. They don't and they don't want it some most of the time. And so They don't, number one, they don't know how to lead. but number two, they, they, they just, they're just in it for the power trip. Oh, absolutely. Really, really sad that, that that takes place, but that's in all walks of life. That's not just military. That doesn't just take place in military. That's, that happens in corporate America,
1: you know? Yeah. Not as much though. Not as much. I mean, there's no time and grade and then you pass your tests and you get promoted and, you know, it in the, in the, in the civilian world, there's a lot more, um, based on performance to, and
2: ability and skill and things like that. I totally yeah. agree with that.
1: Yeah. And you can get fired, you know, in the military to try to get somebody kicked out of the military. Oh my God. It is not that easy unless they of course pass, fail a drug test or something like that. But if, if they just aren't great at their job, <laughs> it's, As long as they're passing their test and they show up to work, there's really nothing you can do about it.
2: Yeah. Well, I I mean, there's there's other questions, but I just want to say this to you. Um, The fact that you are here today and that you're telling your story and that you're willing to be an open book of sorts, as long as it helps other people, whether they're military, veteran, civilian, that speaks highly of your leadership.
1: I want other people to know that they can get help and that help will help them. It, it, that's the one thing that I am grateful that I learned how to do. And it was in that three months inpatient after I attempted suicide that I learned how to do. And that's how to get help and accept it. And um, the help is there. It's just a matter of allowing it to support you and, and to reach out for it. You have to ask for it. It's not just going to appear at your front door. And when you ask for it, I mean, maybe not 10 years ago, but today, the VA, all of the programs, I mean, Homeland Heroes, (laughs) when I met Julie, my kids and I were sleeping on an air mattress, the three of us on one air mattress. She got us all beds. I mean, there's just so many things that people take for granted that, you know, when you're having a hard time and you need help, just fucking go get it. It's there. Ask for it. Don't, don't wait. Don't wait.
2: I think part of that has to do with um, there's there's two different types of pride. There's pride in who you are as a person, what you do, what you stand for, and then there's the pride where you're too stubborn to seek help and, or oh. to go ask for it, and you have to know the difference between the two. One is okay. The other one, not so much. Um, and yeah. I, I know a lot of veterans and they're, they have pride, but then at times they become prideful and either they don't think they deserve it or they don't think they need it. One of the two, and yet they struggle or they allow their families to struggle. And that's, that's, that's not a good thing. I, yeah. I,
1: the other part to that too would be that they don't want anybody to know that they Correct. need help. And yeah. It's been, yeah.
2: Yeah. Because there' you know, they could feel ashamed. You yeah. know, I, there was a period of time when I got out the second time um, I was injured I in, in Afghanistan and there was a period of time when I, I couldn't work normally didn't have enough money coming in. But yet I still had four kids at home and a roof to put over the head. And uh, I had to suck it up. And I went down and I would I'd get whatever assistance that I needed to make sure that my kids had food on the table and a roof over their head. You know, yeah. and some people want to say, well, that, you know, that. And it, there were people that said this or people that said, well, you shouldn't do that. You should man up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, I just did man up. Exactly. My pride and I took care of my family.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So. yeah, it's it's a hard lesson to learn, but after you learn it, it's such a valuable lesson to have like just just to know that being prideful is not a good thing, but to have pride, that's a good thing. I agree 100% on that. Yeah. I take pride in the fact that I was able to ask for help and I take pride in the fact that I still, to this day, get support on a regular basis. Once a month, if not twice a month, I go to the VA for a group. Um, And it's, I talk to Julie all the time and there's other, other people, you know, Sheila and other people that are part of organizations that I have constant contact with. And, and I take pride in the fact that I'm now able to ask for that help and receive it without guilt.
2: There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And again, that shows your, your leadership, to be honest, it does.
1: Well, they say to be a good leader, you have to be a good follower too, right? Yep.
2: (laughs) So, while you, the, the period of time while you were in the military, do you have, do you have one of those proudest moments?
1: Yeah, in a way, yes. Um, it was right before I had moved to Texas. My ex husband and I had, we were already married, but he was in Texas and I was in Nebraska. I made staff sergeant in three and a half years. I was running the booster club for my commander. Um, I had put on this huge air show event. Um, well, I mean, I didn't put the whole thing on, but, um, I put a good portion of it on and it was extremely successful. And, um, I remember going up to get that rank tacked on and just the pri- just the whole room and, and everybody knew who I was and my commander and just, it was, that was probably my most, um, when I think about my military career and I want to think about my happiest moment, I think about that because I was holding my daughter in my hands at the same time. So <laughs> um, that was probably it right there. But that was that was the the peak too. It kind of sort of went downhill from there. Getting well, I had also already gotten picked up to be an MTL. So there was that as well. And everybody knew I was gonna be leaving and moving on and and um I felt extremely accomplished and um like all my efforts had had paid off and um yeah, I mean I had some wonderful times in Japan as well, but those were more um personal fun things, not not military things like that. Getting getting staff sergeant tacked on in the situation and the way that I did, that was probably my proudest moment.
2: So is there anything that you would like to share with Any folks that are listening that um, have never served in the military uh, on, you know, what the culture of the military was like for you?
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes. So in the military, no matter where you go, you have a family. You show up to a new base, you instantly have a huge family. Everybody treats you like they've known you for their whole life. There, there's no trying to go and make friends or this or that. You show up, you they pick you up at the airport or whatever, and it, it, you're part of a, a group. You're part of something, and um, if you give the military everything you have, it will give you everything that they have, and the sky's the limit. And it's really just, um, you know, brushing the bad stuff off and accepting the good stuff, and. Um my biggest thing for people who are looking at joining or haven't joined or whatever is make sure that you pick a career field that you're gonna enjoy.
2: That leads right into the next question. I mean if you have more to add to that, go ahead. Um but the next question is you know, you mentioned being an aerospace ground equipment mechanic. Is that something that you that you chose to do or is that how how did that come about?
1: Um I went in open mechanical um and that was because of my ASFAB. Yep. um i i got like an 81 but the highest one was the the mechanical and i've always been like a I, I can fix anything i mean give me some zip ties duct tape and super glue and i can make anything happen um and just the way you know that everything that works together as it and so that was something i always um i enjoyed i loved it and so um uh, going in open mechanical, that that was, um, they also told me that there were, uh, that, that being an age mechanic was probably the one that I would get. Um, but if I had gone in medical or something like that, I would have hated my life. Going in open general, I mean, unless you literally don't care what you do, at least narrow it down to a, a career field. Yeah, I would agree and, with that. Yeah, but you can always cross train or, you know, become MTL, MTI. There's there's so many other ways to to, you know, cross train in, in within the military. Um, but that would be my biggest thing is is find something you like, because I met many people that hated their jobs and I felt so bad for them.
2: Yeah. I was fortunate. I also went general mechanical. Um, I ended up being a structural maintenance technician. Uh, cross-trained over to control, corrosion control, and then later cross-trained into non-destructive inspection.
1: So, oh wow! Okay, we may have met each other then. <laughs> you
2: no, know, my time was from '88 uh, till '96, but '92 oh, yeah, no. to '96 <laughs> was reserve time.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, no, I was 16 in '96.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old dude.
1: <laughs> you don't look that old. I feel old. <laughs> Tell me about it. Me too. It's the beard day. It's beard.
2: Oh, which one? No, I think mean, it makes you look younger. I don't know.
1: Yeah, oh. definitely. <laughs> uh,
0: being a woman in the
1: military was that. How did that shape your experience? Um. So. Ugh. That's part of the reason why I have a lot of physical ailments now was because I was a small, attractive girl in the military and I was a mechanic and there was no way I was going to let anyone think that I was using that as to my advantage. And so nobody was going to help me with anything and I was going to end. I now have degenerative back disease with two herniated discs and surgery on my wrist. And I fractured my hip and all this crap because I was too prideful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, a few years into it, I learned about leverage. And I remember making up all these contraptions. Like I had this metal pole that was hollow that I would put on top of a wrench and then I'd go to the end of it to turn stuff like I, ways to make it work. And um, but yeah, as 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 a female, uh, you, you kind of have to, I don't want to say you have to prove yourself, but there's, there's a general mentality, especially in the maintenance world, that girls just get in the way. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll is, say this. It that is, is bullshit. That is but... the general
2: mentality. I agree.
1: Well, there's a reason for it, though. Sure. You know,
2: well, there's a reason for it. It's because at some point in time, there were some ladies that took advantage of that situation.
1: Unfortunately. Exactly. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what happened. And yeah, when I, I went, was not one of them.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, when I went back in the army, you know, I, I initially wanted to go back. I want to go in and I want to go infantry, but having a wife and kids, they were like, uh, no, we're not doing yeah. that. <laughs> so, um, I went as a vehicle mechanic, um, and uh, I made sergeant pretty quick, and I had had uh, I was the leader of the squad, and I had a couple of ladies on my squad, and they played that card very well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Very
2: frustrating,
1: and it very, was sad. yeah, yeah, <laughs> really sad. Yeah, Just, yeah.
2: See that take place. And basically, they didn't have pride in who they were, honestly.
1: Yeah, they were just trying to get the job done as easily as possible.
2: Or not at all.
1: (laughs) Or have somebody else do it for them. That was the biggest one. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And
2: that's unfortunate because that does typically give ladies in the military a bad rap.
1: It does. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It, it, no, it does. It does. Because I went into it knowing I had something to prove. Which I don't think men really go into the mechanical field feeling like they're going to be, that they're going to have to prove who they are, what they can do. They just, they're just, they just go do it. You know, they, so yeah, it's, it's definitely those, those few that ruined it for everybody else. One yeah. more thing in that. Um, so as a as a mechanic uh the camaraderie uh, and the morale i loved it i was so in love with the military i never wanted to leave once i became an mtl and i don't know how much of it was because of my personal situations but it was different it it was the policies and politics and i hated it i absolutely hated it i did it felt like everybody was out for their own and against each other and and everything was, oh, look in this, and what is this, and what does this say, and can you do this, and what do you, pen and quill, and, <laughs> uh, hated yep. it, hated it, hated it, I, yeah. I yeah yeah that. Yeah, being, being in the mechanical world, ugh, working on the flight line, and just with the whole maintenance crew, yep. uh, I would go back to that any day.
2: Yep, totally can relate to that. It wasn't <laughs> any different than when I was in. Um, you know, I... When I first started, they put me in the shop, and then they put me in the Isacronal of Docs, and then they put me back in the shop, and then I finally requested to go to the flight line, and I thrived on the flight line. Yeah. Um, but anytime I was in the shop environment, it was it was all politics. It, yeah. You know, I, I would always get I would get asked regularly, well, what have you done extracurricular for helping the community? <laughs> well, I did this. Well, that's not enough.
1: Yeah, Check this box off and check that box off. Oh, a new commander is here. Let them reinvent the wheel so they can check this box off. Let me break something just to fix it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it, was, yep. it was ridiculous. But yeah, leave me alone on the flight line. I was good. Yeah. I didn't have any issues. and. Yeah. I totally yep. understand where you're coming from. Yeah. We
0: good to All go right. now. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us for the second part of the story for part three tune into the next episode of the Homeland Heroes salute. This podcast is brought to you by the Homeland Heroes Foundation, an organization dedicated to the reacclimation support of active duty service members, veterans, and their families in their time of need. To learn more, visit homelandheroesfoundation.org. Thank you to our production team at DairyCam creating connection through story for a better world. Learn more by visiting dairycam.org. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to the Homeland Harris Salute wherever you listen to podcasts.